title of our lesson this morning, Giving Thanks, is taken from Psalms 100, and we'll be taking a look at that in just a moment. Psalms 100 breaks down kind of conveniently, the outline there. The first two verses is call to worship, and the first two verses is the call. Verse 3 is the reason. Verse 4, the call. Verse 5, the reason. And so it breaks down very kind of conveniently. So three points we're going to take a look at this morning. The joy of worship. Then we're going to talk a little bit about gratitude. And then we'll talk about thankful worship. And I'm going to go ahead and pull up that point right there. The joy of worship. Now then, I want to give you a little qualifier as we get into this this morning. I believe in Psalms 100. Now that's a part of the Old Testament, Old Law. But he's telling them, commanding them, you ought to come before the Lord and you ought to come joyfully. Now here's the caveat to that. Sometimes, can we talk? (laughs) Just being honest, we may say, I'm not feeling it. Ever been there? But yet I know that when we come before the Lord, it says that we ought to come joyfully. So I'm going to give you a couple verses to give consideration to as we think about this. And I believe what the psalmist is saying is true. It's accurate that that's the way that we should come. It's not based upon how you're feeling today. If you're feeling okay, come joyfully. Everything okay in your life, come joyfully. That's not life, is it? That's not reality. And so sometimes we come to worship and things are difficult and they are challenging. But in light of things be challenging, can we still come joyfully? I believe, yes, we can. So I want to share these things with you. Give consideration of this. And I think we'll better understand what the psalmist is saying. So here's a couple of passages. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29. Kind of paraphrase. And we know all things work together for good to those who are called according to His purpose. All things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. How many things? All things. Verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. All things working together for your Christian good that you might become conformed to his son. All things working together for good so you'll be happy. So that you might become like his son. Matthew 25 and about verse 34. It's talking about that scene when we shall all stand before the judgment seat. And it says in that day, he will set the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And to the sheep he will say, come ye blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom that has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So as I put those passages together and start to think about them, while I am here, 
while we are here as Christians, what does God want to do? He wants to mold me, shape me, make me like His Son. Ultimate goal? To get me home to heaven. It's a two-fold plan. Conform you to the image of His Son. Get you home to heaven. Jeremiah, the 18th chapter. Jeremiah says, You are like clay in the hands of the potter. Can we see that? So sometimes, things may be really good. And that's helping to shape you. Sometimes things may be hard and challenging. That's helping to shape you. But at the same time, not only is He shaping, forming us, He's trying to reach other people. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let men see your good works that they may glorify your Father in heaven. Can we see that? Sometimes things are good. But is He using that for my best interest? And maybe He's using me as an example to try to reach someone else. And to get me home to heaven. He's the potter. We are the clay. 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter and verse 7. The Apostle Paul prayed about the thorn in the flesh. Why was he told that he was given that thorn in the flesh? There was something that was challenging in his life. Something that was difficult. Something he prayed about repeatedly, repeatedly to get rid of it. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. It was given to you, paraphrase. So that you might not be exalted above measure. You get too puffed up. You follow? So God uses something difficult. So that Paul might still rely upon Him. Jesus. Through obedience. Through suffering. He learned obedience. And being made perfect. He became the author of salvation to all those who obey Him. He has left us an example that we should follow in His footsteps. He submitted to the Father in everything. Forming us. Using us. Trying to get us home. Here's the illustration. Some of you may have heard of this lady. Corey Tenboom, ever heard? She says she has. There's a well-known. She's written various books. But one of her most well-known is entitled "The Hiding Place." Her family. She was born in the Netherlands. Her family was sympathetic towards the Jews, and during Nazi occupation, they helped many escape until. They got caught. And then her and her sister, her family also, got deported to Germany. She ended up in a concentration camp in a particular barracks with her sister. But she said the fortunate, if there was anything fortunate to come out of that, the fortunate part of that was as she was being taken there, she was able to smuggle a Bible in the folds of her dress, wasn't checked closely, and she got in with it. 
So while she was there, her and her sister started reading regularly together. Others saw what was going on. She said the particular barracks that they were in was deplorable. It was way overcrowded. And then it was infested with fleas. She said that her and her sister, in reading together, came across those passages that said, you ought to give thanks in all circumstances. You ought to give thanks for all things. Corey said she's having a little trouble with that one. <laughs> her sister told her, you know what? We should give thanks for the fleas. She said, I am not giving thanks for the fleas. <laughs> her sister would not relent. She kept it up until finally they were giving thanks. For the fleas. She said what they came to realize. The guards never came in. The women were not assaulted. We gave thanks for the fleas. So that's one of the things that we have to understand. We may not always understand God's ways. But don't ever doubt that He's watching. And all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. Paul, according to His purpose. Now then, Psalms 100. Verse 1 and 2. Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him singing with joy. So as the psalmist begins in Psalms 100, it is like a command. This is the way that you are to come. You are to come before Him and whenever you come, you come singing. You shout. It's joyful whenever you come. What we come to understand about that as he is like, in essence, commanding that we come with joy. We realize that joy is different from happiness. Happiness depends upon things. It depends upon circumstances. It depends upon sometimes others. You lose your stuff. And all of a sudden you're not happy. Someone upsets you. You have a bad day. All of a sudden... You're not happy. But joy, on the other hand, is God-centered. That's why we can have joy. Because God doesn't change. His ways, His goals, His character, it's always the same. God is God. And God is in charge. And God cares for me. And I have a reason to rejoice no matter what I'm going through. So the text says that we are to come before Him with a joyful shout. Now to kind of make the application. I know you've heard this before. Some of you men may have actually prayed this before. I think I've prayed this before. 
So we come together and it's time for somebody to lead us all in prayer. And what's one of the things that you have heard that we've oftentimes said? Lord, help us to put away the thoughts and the cares of this world. So let me ask you, do you do that? Is it possible to do that? I think it is. If our focus is on, no matter what's going on, he's got it. My wife and I kind of chuckled. Do you see this lawyer around town? He's got billboards. He's got commercial and all this stuff. And he says, I won't say his name. I'll see if you know it. Blank has got this. You know that? <laughs> Mike. <laughs> Mike's got this. God's got this. That's what he's saying. He's got it. So as we think about this psalm, then we think about how it is that we can be joyful. When we come before the Creator, the Sustainer, the Ruler of Heaven and Earth, the creature comes before the Creator. The Infinite addresses the the finite, got it backwards. The finite addresses the infinite. The weak comes before the almighty. The simple comes before the all wise. And the sinful and weak comes before the holy. So the very first thing that the psalmist says is that when you come, you shout. Those words come from a Hebrew phrase that means to shout joyfully, make a joyful noise. One commentator said it's like a soldier that has won the victory. They shout. They've won the battle. He went on to say, worship is not like sitting in the waiting room of the dentist's office. Worship is not like you're stuck in traffic. <laughs> Have you ever done this? In the midst of worship? <laughs> Have you ever seen, not so much nowadays, have you ever seen anybody make out their grocery list? Balance their checkbook while they're sitting in worship. Stuck in traffic here, so I might as well make... And the psalmist says, you ought to come. You ought to be joyful. You ought to shout. Shout to the Lord all the earth. I think there's a couple of reasons why that is stated that way. Yes, Jew and Gentile, both to recognize their creator. But I think there's something else there also. Because he says we are to shout, we are to make that joyful noise, all the earth. Now some people might look at that and go, well, that's not really me. I'm really not like that 
It's not my culture. It's not my background. This writer said, it doesn't have anything to do with your education or your sophistication or your culture or your background. He said it's like this. It's like what you learned when you were growing up. It's like what your mama told you. When somebody does something nice for you, you ought to show your gratitude. You ought to say thank you. And he said that's what the psalmist is saying. You ought to shout. You ought to be joyful. You ought to say thank you for God and who He is and what He has done. Because it's an invitation to come into His presence. And the God of the universe, He wants our presence. He wants our fellowship. He wants communion with us. And it's a privilege that we're invited. The second, you have to think about, whenever you think about coming before and worshiping, you have to think about gratitude. And there's just a few verses I'll make reference to. Because there's like this theme that we see running throughout Scripture about being thankful for all things. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In all circumstances. Ephesians 5, we oftentimes quote this. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always. For all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing to God with grace in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father. Thanks. All circumstances. And the psalmist says, shout and be joyful. And yet sometimes when we read this, we think, well, how do we do that? Or why does he want us to do that? Gratitude. Gratitude flows. From God's presence. Gratitude does not come from acquisition. It comes from more awareness of God's presence and God's goodness. Christian gratitude, Jesus shaped gratitude, and that gratitude brings, comes with a new perspective. Of what God has done. Gratitude is a byproduct. Of the way we see things. And it always involves. Three factors. First of all. Gratitude involves. Benefit. 
These are areas of good. It comes from a Latin word that means good. In order for me to be grateful, I have to receive a benefit. And I must perceive, I must see it, that it's a good thing for me. See where that comes in? Because sometimes challenges come and we go, why me, Lord? <laughs> and that may very well be exactly the answer. <laughs> because it is you. <laughs> and the Lord sees this is what you need. <laughs> I have to perceive it's a benefit. It's good that I receive this. Psalms 103 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. That's what He he gives us. And He wants us to see that our lives are filled with His benefits. But many of the times, we struggle. And we can't see that. Do you remember the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew chapter 7. And Jesus says to them, So ye, those he's talking to, So ye being evil know how to give good gifts. So as fathers, you know how to give good gifts. And he says, So how much more your Father which is in heaven. Remember that? If your son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? See what I'm saying? See, sometimes we think we ought to hand out bread all the time and there's never a stone. We should hand out fish all the time and there's never a snake. No, sometimes these things have to bite you so that you realize, don't touch it. Leave that alone. He says, your heavenly father knows how to give you good gifts. It's a benefit for you. Is he shaping, molding you? Is he trying to reach somebody else? So there has to be a benefit if I'm going to have gratitude. But secondly, there has to be a benefactor. A benefactor means one who does good. In order to be grateful, you have to believe, understand, benefits are coming your way, but they don't come by random and by accident. Do you ever hear somebody talk about luck? Boy, I sure was lucky. Well, this time I wasn't so lucky. Is that what it was? Was it luck? Or were you unlucky? There's a benefactor. Sending benefits our way with good intentions. So on Wednesday night, we've come to that point. 
where Israel, Judah, got carried away to Babylonian captivity. Jeremiah, the 29th chapter, verse 11. We talked about this passage. Jeremiah is in Jerusalem while they are under siege. And they're going to get carried away. And while this siege is taking place, there are terrible things that go on inside those walls. And through Jeremiah, God says, you know the thoughts that I have towards you of good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Can we see that? I'm bringing this not because I just want to, but because you need it. He had to cure them of the idolatry that was leading him into all kinds of horrendous activity. Remember when we talked about Manasseh? And he's offering up his sons in child sacrifice? God said, I gotta stop that. In raising your children, have you ever said to them, they may not have believed you? But have you ever said this? This is going to hurt me more than it is you. <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> I've been on the receiving end of that one. <laughs> it's like, really? <laughs> God says, I know my thoughts. So why does a father, why does a mother discipline their child? This is what's best for you. I want to give you a future. I want to give you a hope. James chapter 1. James says, Do not be deceived, my brethren. Every good and perfect gift gift is coming down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation, neither shifting of shadow. In other words, He's not good today and bad tomorrow. He's always good. And the gifts He sends... He has your best interest in mind. So there has to be a benefit coming from a benefactor. And then the third part of that is there's a beneficiary. Guess who that is? And it's crucial that we understand it. That we receive this benefit. So in Psalms 100 and verse 3, he says, Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. So what the psalmist is saying And the reason why I choose the NLT for this particular translation, I believe that it it translates verse 3 more clearly. Because it says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. You recognize who He is. 
you recognize His character. You recognize His power. You recognize all of that, that He is the Creator. We are the creatures. And He has our best interest. Acknowledge. You understand that? And that's why we can thank God no matter what's going on. And so what he is saying is acknowledge. Act like you know that. Live like you know that. Worship like you know that. That you know God. Frederick Gripner in his book, Wishful Thinking, I like the way this guy writes. It's like just plain spoken, no flowers, just here it is. He defines a Christian like this. He said a Christian, in the final analysis, Christians are not just nicer people than everybody else. He said, we're just better informed. (laughs) He said, that's why we can hold it together when people around us are falling apart. If you are in Christ, you know some stuff that the world doesn't know. (laughs) That's just plainly stated in And he said, one of the things based on this that you need to know, what the psalmist says, that the Lord is God. The Lord is God. Just one. That's all. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear ye, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Now he goes on to say, the comfort we can find to that is, he doesn't sit on a board of directors. <laughs> it's not a bunch of gods getting together to debate, discuss your life. And hopefully there's one of them that's in your corner. <laughs> he said, no, there's just one. And this God has revealed himself. And he has said what he thinks about about you, about me. He's the creator. We're the creature. We are the sheep of his pasture. He went on to say, there's only one difficult verse in the entire Bible. And he said that verse is Genesis 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created. He said, if you get that, then everything else is easy. You don't have trouble with the rest. When it says that a fish swallowed a man and he didn't spit him up for three days, that's no problem. When one of his was cast into a fiery furnace and he came out, that's no problem. When he made the sun stand still so that Joshua could win the battle, That's no problem. He controls. Because he made it. He controls the sun, the wind, 
the moon, the stars, the sea, the air, the fish. And if he controls all of that, guess what? He can control your life. The question is, will you give it to him? Will you submit? He, God, is a shepherd. We are his sheep. Sheep can't feed, provide, or protect themselves. And without a shepherd, they're doomed. He will feed you. He will lead you. He will watch over you. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Because he provides. When I'm hungry, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. When I'm thirsty, He leads me beside the still waters. When I stray, He restores my soul. When I don't know which way to go, He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. When I enter the darkness, I fear no evil. Because His rod and His staff are with me. James says, count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, and let patience have its perfect result that you might be made complete. You might be made mature. You understand. God, acknowledge. That leads third point, thankful worship. Psalms 100, verse 4 and 5. Once again, the call and then the answer. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. When everything's going good, every time. Is it possible? Yeah. If you can put away the thoughts and the cares of the world and focus on him. So sometimes we look at that and we go, well, you say that, but you don't know what I'm going through. And so I would say, God does. So how do we do it? Once again, I think there's three points. First of all, the Lord is good. That's what he said. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness is to all generations. So, despite what we might be going through, the Lord is good. It's a statement about His character, about who He is. There's no spot, there's no blemish, there's no flaw, there's no changing. He is good. His plans are good, His purpose is good, His providence is good, His protection is good, His pardon is good. Everything He does 
is good. And James says, there's no variation. So you keep that in mind. No matter what you're going through, he's good. Secondly, his steadfast love endures forever. It's a Hebrew word. It speaks of God's covenant love. Various translations render it differently. Some say unfailing love. The ESV says steadfast love. Some render it as loyal. It's probably the closest. Loyal love. He doesn't change. So one writer said, you may know what it's like to stray from God. You may have gotten so far away you don't think you're ever going to get back. And if you do go back, you think he won't accept me. But at some point in time, you make that turn and you come back. And you come to find out that wherever you left him, he's standing right there waiting on you. Isn't that the story of the prodigal son? He was watching for him. God is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Loyal love. And thirdly, thirdly, His faithfulness is to all generations. God was faithful to Israel. We studied that history, didn't we? They started off in Sinai and it's like it just went downhill from there. <laughs> but God never gave up on them. And now we'll come to that part where he's calling them back. <laughs> and going to give them a chance to come back. <clears throat> but the point is that in Jesus we all have an opportunity to come back. And in him he wants to mold us, shape us, make us in his image. So that ultimately we can get home. One writer put it this way. God's goodness has a name. God's loyal love has a face. God's faithfulness to all generations has hands and feet that were pierced. And he chose to die rather than to give up on us. So we praise God. Acknowledge Him. For His Son, who lived a life we could never live, who died the death we deserve, so that by His blood and His righteousness, we can be restored to a living God. So we should come into His presence and shout. Shout for joy. That's Psalms 100. I extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. If we can help you in any way making your relationship right with the Lord, you let us know while together we stand and while we sing.